0: The prodigal son has returned to the gambling stage, ladies and gentlemen. James Timberlake is back on the sports gambling fix. I am back. It is true. I'm sure you've heard the reports. The prodigal son of the gambling king has returned. That's right. James Timberlake, he is back. He is throwing down bets. I took about a month of a hiatus off, and then I saw some some odds and stuff that I like to see. And then, you know, I, I was scouring the internet for other bets and stuff. And I kind of got the itch again, you know what I mean? Uh But Hey, you know, just heads up. Don't bet outside your means. That's, you know, I'm not, I'm not betting outside my means, get your bankroll, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, you know, yeah, have fun. That's the big thing. I don't know why I'm giving you a breakdown, but I just want to intro this by saying the gambling man has returned in me. I'm back. I have come back and started gambling again. Um, So you might hear some, some some gambling talk a little bit here in this podcast just because I have placed some bets, you know, Patrick Corbin on the bound against the against the Cubs. So I took the over eight and a half. I mean, of course, he's got like a 70 RA right now. We'll see how that turns out. That's Tuesday. So it's going to be past news for a lot of you people. But I've got a lot of that going on. So I'm thinking gambling wise. I'm going to be looking at some uh, some some futures bets for a couple of World Series teams, especially with some of the news we got in the MLB this past week. Mainly Fernando Tatis getting suspended for eighty games. So he is out for the rest of the season. And I believe it's thirty-two games into next season. So that's basically n- not new. Nu- I won't say nuked the Padres World Series chances. I think they're still they're still sixth here according to Vegas Sportsbooks. Uh Vegas Insider, excuse me. And there's a couple. I mean they got a bunch of sports books laid out here. So it still looks like they're they're about fifth or sixth in the running. There's a big drop off after them. But they're kind of last in the in the grouping of six that look like the favorites to win it all. Um, But, anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, Fernando Tatis getting getting suspended. We're also going to talk about the AP Top 25 preseason poll for football for college football came out. We're going to talk about that a little bit. You know, whatever preseason poll actually means doesn't really mean anything it's just fun to kind of get a gauge of what everybody else is thinking especially the associated press and the the coaches and stuff and where they think each team is at the beginning of the season i think it's relatively interesting but again it doesn't mean anything at all um then we're going to talk about we'll take a look at a couple uh you know preseason football games some uh, some highlighted football games god knows i didn't watch any football uh preseason football games so i'm i will be basically looking at stats to know if uh, if they they were good performances or not. So I could be completely wrong, but we'll take a look at a couple of them. So that's kind of on the docket here. We're going to start with, uh, we're going to start, let's start with the uh, AP poll. Let's start with the AP poll. It'll be quick. I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to linger on this part of it too long just because it is not that big of a deal. It's a preseason poll, so who really cares? Um, But we'll just start with the top 10. It's the top 25. I get it, but let's just go top 10. Uh, Number 10. At the start of the season for preseason is Baylor. They come in ranked at number 10. Number nine is Oklahoma. They come in ranked ninth at eighth. It's Michigan. Seventh is Utah. The Utah Utes coming in at seventh. Sixth is Texas A&M. Fifth is Notre Dame. Notre Dame feels a little bit high on this list, I'll be honest with you. They ended the season last year and a lost Oklahoma State, but a lot's changed, obviously. A new head coach for them as well. Feels like Notre Dame at five is a little bit high Clemson at four is also very high. We have no, I mean, they're going to have one of the best defenses in the country, no doubt, because it is a Clemson team and they have a lot of their defense coming back from a year ago, but we have no idea what that offense is going to look like with DJ Weungalele, who no, no idea how he's going to look. He was kind of a mess last year. It could have been kind of the offense. I've heard from places that that offense is kind of a little ancient in terms of like play calling and the way things are kind of made. But uh, you know they've had Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson go through there, and then that'll kind of make every offense look really good, regardless of who it is. So we have no idea if their quarterback situations all worked out, if they're going to have enough depth at wide receiver to go through the rest of the, you know to make it through the rest of the, the, the whole season as a good wide receiving core. Their offense is definitely a question mark, but their defense is going to be very solid. Lots of players coming back. A very solid defensive coach in Dabo Sweeney. They did lose Brent Venables, obviously. He went to Oklahoma, their former defensive coordinator, who's basically commanded that defense for the last five to seven years. So that's a big loss, but I still think they have enough talent on that side of the ball to be arguably the best defense in the in the country. But that offense is kind of a question mark. We'll see. Uh, number three in the AP Top 10, uh, Georgia. No surprise here, I would say. Former uh, defending national championships just a year ago. Uh, They did lose quite a bit on defense, and it's going to be basically impossible to replicate what they did on defense last season because of how good they were. Arguably one of the greatest defenses in the history of college football, to be honest with you. Uh, So it'll be basically impossible to replicate what they did last year, but still a bunch of solid names on the defensive end. Their offense should be better. I mean, you know, I don't know how much you can kind of complain about a national championship, but their offense was uh, somewhat, quote unquote, a, a little bit of a weakness for them last season. So we'll see how their offense is kind of formed now this year. They have a weaker defense, like I said, so that offense is going to have to pick up some of the slack on that side of the ball. You know, sc- scoring in a bunch of you know maybe um, a couple shootout games or something like that against uh, Alabama or what have you, especially in like the SEC title game or something like that if they get to that. So we'll see what Georgia is looking like, and then I think number one and number two aren't that big of a surprise at all. Two Ohio State. They're going to be very good again. Their offense is going to be lights out. They've got a couple of really big names coming back. Their head or their uh, quarterback CJ Stroud is one of the best in the country. Was one of the Heisman favorites last year and is going to be one of the Heisman favorites once again this year. Possibly going to win it. So no big surprise there at number two. Number one, of course, he's, they've done it. I think this is the ninth time they've done it. Uh, Alabama, number one. They had 54 votes in the AP poll. Not a big surprise. They're number one. They're going to have Bryce Young back. Just won the Heisman Trophy. He's back. That's a huge thing for obviously huge quarterback. Uh, quarterback is one of the obviously the best last year. So still one of the best in the in the country. Will Anderson, the defensive end for them, outside linebacker. I can't remember which one it is, but you know he rushes the quarterback. There you go. Um, he's one of the best in the league, probably arguably the best defender in the uh, in the country in college football. We'll see how he plays. He's going to be one of the top uh, draft prospects come. Uh, next to April, and I believe he's one of the top players coming off of, you know, the, the mock draft boards and stuff like that. So he's one of the best prospects in the game today. And, uh, you know, it's Alabama. They're always going to be good. Nick Saban's still there. They're passing out NIL money like it's candy. So they're going to have all the top recruits. They're going to be the best. I mean, this is what they do. They're probably going to be in the the top five for the entire season, even if they lose one game. I I can't imagine them dropping below the top five with the talent that they have unless they lose two games or something like that. But I still can't see them losing two games, even that. So maybe one game, but I think an undefeated season going into the playoff and championship weekend and stuff like that. I think that's kind of a safe bet, honestly, a safe bet to be putting down. So Alabama, number one, no surprise there. That's the AP top 10. So 10, Baylor, nine, Oklahoma, eight, Michigan, seven, Utah, six, Texas A&M, five, Notre Dame, four, Clemson, three, Georgia, two, Ohio State, and number one is Alabama. And that's the AP top 10. There's still another 15 teams to round out the top 25, but I won't go through all of those. So football season's right around the corner. College football season is right around the corner, and I could not be more excited. Just 12 days away from week zero I'm excited. And it's finally here. Football kind of feel. I'm getting. I'm getting the feeling of football again. A little bit of preseason here and there. Get the feeling again. That it doesn't feel like fall. Obviously, it's still hot as hell outside. But you know, the leaves start changing a little bit here and there. We'll start getting the feel of football again. And uh, college football starts in just 12 days. So it's right around the corner. It's gonna be here before we even know it. Um, but now we're gonna talk baseball, and we're gonna talk a very disappointing story that made me very sad. They're already clowning all over Fernando Tatis and rightfully so took PEDs. Even if he did it by accident, if he didn't do it on accident, it's whatever. Part of me wishes we could go back to the days where Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Jose Canseco were just injecting themselves with whatever, whatever PED could make them better. And we could go back to 500 foot home runs like every other night, you know, Mark McGuire chasing the Babe Ruth record and then Barry Bonds hitting 75 home runs in the season. There was a reason that that was so. There was a reason that Bud Selig and the MLB didn't stop that when it was going on. It's because it was fun. It was entertaining. It was a lot of fun. You know, I don't. I don't want to say I don't necessarily have anything against PEDs per se. Obviously, I don't want people just taking PEDs to be good at baseball and then the rest of their life is ruined. Obviously, after they retire from baseball. But man, baseball was fun when we just had guys that were jacked out of their mind, their delts were bigger than their actual necks and they were just running around and it looked like their thighs were going to break out of their, you know, their Jersey pants, you know, or their, their uniform pants. Those were, those were fun times. I'm going to look back on those. I mean, I was still, I was a young kid when those were going on, but or when that was going on with Barry Bonds and McGuire and stuff, I'm going to look back on that. And I think I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm I've already, I already kind of envy that time to be honest with you, but I'm going to look back on that and be like, those are those, you know, everybody kind of looks back at the good days that they had. And it's weird to me that I'm going to look back at the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s when PEDs were running rampant. And I'm going to I'm going to think to myself, those were the good days, which is weird. But baseball, I mean, for a lot of people, even I mean, obviously today uh, in the world that we live in and the, you know, the kids that are growing up watching baseball, it's a different sport. Nobody wants to, and I won't say nobody, but it's a, it's an older sport. I mean, the kids don't want to watch it today because it is boring. I won't argue that at all. Red Sox Yankees games have historically gone three plus hours, and there's not a lot of action. Give or you know, you know, I'm kind of being I'm making a blanket statement, but they are. I mean, historically, they've been three plus hours, pretty uh, pretty regularly, and um, you know, people are striking out more often than ever. And it's either a home run or it's a walk or it's a strikeout. That's kind of just the way that the the game is kind of transformed. And that's going to hurt the game of baseball. I mean, that has already hurt the game of baseball. The ratings are down and it's just not been very fun to watch for a lot of people, unless you're, you know, a Dodgers fan. And of course the Dodgers being good also, I mean, it helps the game. The Yankees being good helps the game. All these big market teams that are good helps the game because more people will watch it if those teams are actually good, because I mean, just based on, you know, where those people that watch those games live. Um, but I don't know. Part of me wants to look back on those days of the early two thousands and the late nineties. And even before then, when PEDs were just uh, everywhere. And I'm going to look back on those days and I'm going to think those were fun. I mean, when Barry Bonds was chasing Hank Aaron's record and, you know, McGuire's record and then uh, Ruth's and McGuire's record, I guess, basically those are. I mean, that was fun. I, you go, if you go back and look and go watch, The clip of Barry Bonds hitting the home run that broke Hank Aaron's record. I mean, obviously there are a ton of people there, but just like the feeling, I mean, you could still get the feeling in that stadium at AT AT&T Park, uh, then AT&T Park, now Oracle Park, I believe. Um, You can get the vibe from that feeling just from the YouTube clip. Like you don't even have to be watching it live, but you can just kind of get the 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 aura around what is going on and how important that record was and even if the guy I mean he was quote unquote not quote unquote he was cheating obviously he was using steroids clearly but steroids don't help you you know see the ball better if I was taking roids and I went out and tried to go and hit a professional league player or you know a major league baseball player I still wouldn't be able to hit a major league baseball player you know what I mean like it's kind of a it's a give and a take like I understand where people are coming from when it's when when they say Barry Bonds is taking steroids, that's cheating, period. I understand that. I get what they're saying. I'm not going to argue with you there. Cut and dry, period. But what he was able to do in that time, I mean, he was revolutionary. He was one, arguably the best player in the history of the game, even though he was taking steroids that you know, arguably made him better. Even if we throw out those steroid years from the time that we knew he was taking steroids from, I think it was like 2001, 2002 to the end of his career which would have been 2007 I believe 2008 um if you throw out those 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 years he's still arguably the greatest I'm not arguably the greatest player of all time but he's still a hall of fame caliber player I believe he's still he would still be the only member of the 500 500 club which is 500 stolen bases and 500 home runs and I believe he'd still have three MVPs I'm going on a Barry Bonds rant more than I'm going on a PEDs rant but I just think that his talent kind of is morphed by the idea of the fact that he took steroids later in his career to make him better and kind of chase this Hank Aaron, this Hank Aaron record. So that kind of morphed it into his whole career, which I don't think is necessarily fair. I think if you're baseball, cut those years out. He retired in 2000 or whenever he stopped, before he started taking steroids and evaluate it from there. I mean, I have him. You know, he has 400 plus home runs still. I believe he still has 400 plus stolen bases. I think, if I remember correctly, I believe he's still part, the only member of the 500 500 club. If you even take out those years where he uh, juiced, if you even take those years out and when when he juiced, then I believe he's still the only member of the 500 500 club. Which. That's Hall of Fame worthy, in my opinion. I mean, obviously, he's still three-time three, three time MVP. I don't remember how many All-Star games he had, but I want to say it was close to double digits. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, even if you take those years out, if he doesn't break that record and what have you. And I don't know. The thing is, though, the the other side of it is I don't know if Barry Bonds, the actual the actual player Barry Bonds, would be okay with that. I don't know if he would rather the MLB cut those years out and just, hey, you're in the Hall of Fame, but you te- you retired in 2000 or whatever. That didn't, you know, those years after didn't exist when you were juicing. I don't know if he would want that. I think he would rather have, yes, I juiced from 2001 to 2007 and I broke Hank Aaron's record, but I'll never get in the Hall of Fame because I did juice, but I did it. He'd rather, I think, have that argument around it than just say it doesn't exist, even though he did do it. It's an interesting, you know, I mean, no, I'm kind of just speaking into a brick wall because. You know, the MLB, I don't think, will ever do that. I mean, they still don't think Pete Rose deserves to be, to be in the Hall of Fame, and, you know, he gambled, what was it, 40 years ago, 30 years ago now? So it'll never happen. I don't see him ever getting into the Hall of Fame or anything like that, or McGuire or Sosa, or, I mean, I don't think Sosa really is, you know, worthy of it, but, um, you know, McGuire for sure. Uh, Clemens will never get in, obviously. It's just kind of a an interesting aspect. I just think there are... There's a way around it where you could get these guys in the Hall of Fame in the time where they weren't juicing. If they were still good enough, then just, you know, slash those years and put them back in. I don't know. It's an interesting aspect of it. It's an interesting it's an interesting point of view of it in order to get people into the Hall of Fame, in my opinion, who were juicing at the time. Anyways, I'm kind of went off on a tangent there, but the point was. Fernando Tatis Jr. suspended 80 games for PEDs, performance enhancers. He was tested positive for Clostable, I believe is how you say it. Clostable, C-L-O-S-T-E-B-O-L. I don't know how you say it, but it's a performance-enhancing drug. Uh, The test came with an 80-game suspension. It begins immediately and will run through the first 32 games of next season as well. And Tatis, Tatis Jr. hasn't played yet in 2022 either. Like I said, it basically nuked not I, I, it didn't nuke, but it, it definitely shot them down the boards to be the uh, to be the World Series champions. They weren't uh, favorites or anything like that when they made their trade deadline acquisitions of Soto, uh, Josh Bell, as well as Josh Hader. But uh, it definitely shot them down. I believe when I last looked, it was August third, and that was after the trade deadline. And I believe they were plus one thousand, if I remember correctly, in order to to win the to win the World Series. Obviously, those odds have changed drastically. They're now plus. Uh, one thousand. Depending on who you look at, but the the highest I'm seeing here is plus two thousand on FanDuel, and then uh, plus seventeen hundred on DraftKings, plus eighteen hundred on BetMGM. Caesar Sportsbooks has uh, has them at plus sixteen hundred, and then Vegas Insider has them at plus seventeen twenty. They're behind the Blue Jays, the Braves, the Mets, the Yankees, the Astros, and the Dodgers. So, you know, they're not completely out of contention and in the eyes of Vegas, in the eyes of the sports books, but they are, it looks like, the last team before it kind of falls off. So after the Padres, it's the Cardinals who are like plus 3,500 on DraftKings and bet MGM. Plus 3,000 is probably the highest, the, the lowest odds you're going to get and that's from Caesars and FanDuel for the Cardinals. So, there's a pretty steep drop off after the Padres and we'll see as the season goes on if the Padres, you know, keep a I mean they're going to keep a firm grip on that wild card spot. They're not going to catch the Dodgers, obviously. They're too good. Dodgers are way too far ahead in that race and I believe the Dodgers are I mean they've already beat them a couple times head to head and they swept them recently head to head as well. So, I don't see the Padres catching up to the Dodgers, but they'll have a pretty firm hold on that wild card spot if they continue on the path they're going and we'll see how the Vegas sportsbooks kind of react to them as the season goes on. If they get into a hot streak or something like that towards the end of the season, we'll see how it adjusts. Um, but as it stands right now, plus 2000, not terrible odds, to be honest with you. If you, if you want to put, you know, uh, if you want to put a, a futures bet down plus 2000 for a team that has one of the best two, three, four, five guys in, in the lineup in the league, I don't think that's a terrible bet. Plus they have a pretty solid rotation. Hader should make their bullpen better, even though haters been kind of iffy the last month or so. Um, But, you know, we'll see what happens there. It's baseball. It is completely random. I do find it interesting that they are favored less in the futures department than the blue Jays, the blue Jays. I mean, they've played relatively better as of recent. The Padres have played worse as of recent. Um, But I, I still think the Padres are probably a little bit better of a team just from top to bottom. I would say, um, I mean, they have a better, uh, Soto is one of the best players in the league. He hasn't played too great this season. Manny Machado's arguably having an MVP season. So, I mean, Joe Musgrove is a great, a great pitcher for them. Hader, obviously great out of the bullpen. So I don't know. We'll see. Padres plus 2000 though. Not a terrible, I mean, in my opinion, not a terrible bet. They get hot. It's baseball. Like I said, completely random. Any team that gets hot can go on and win the world series. And plus two thousand for a futures bet with a team that has Machado, Josh Bell, who's been incredible, Juan Soto as your two, three, four. Not terrible, in my opinion. That's not a bad bet. So, anyways, that's the Padres. Um, we'll see what happens for, with Fernando. He did sign a fourteen-year, three hundred and forty million dollar contract extension, uh, and he hasn't played basically since he signed that. Um, he's gone twenty months. But he'll be he, after after this. Uh, P after the uh, suspension, he'll end up going more than 20 months without appearing in an MLB game. So, uh, Padres won't get their franchise player back until 2023. Luckily, Juan Soto, the guy that they got at the trade deadline from the nationals, he's still under team control until I believe like 2025 or something like that. So they'll still be able to make a run at it. Once Tatis comes back, at least two years of making a, a decent run on the offensive side at, uh, at the championship. But, you know, San Diego's always kind of been the little brother to Los Angeles in the Dodgers. And as this is going on, the Dodgers were on like a twelve game win streak that was uh that was snapped on, I believe, Monday or Sunday if I remember. I think it was Sunday. Um, but you know, two opposite sides of the spectrum. Again, the Padres are kind of watching the the Dodgers go on this roll and they look like the best team in the league as the Padres see more and more unfortunate news come their way the little bro- the little brother of the uh, the little brother of the rivalry. That's what happens sometimes. But who knows? Next year, the year after, maybe they'll get lucky, maybe they'll have everybody back and maybe they can make a run. We'll see. That sucks though. Fernando Tatís Jr. suspended for 80 games into next year. He is arguably already the face of the league when he is playing. Uh he is I I wouldn't say everybody knows who he is because I mean, it's baseball, it's kind of hard to hard to justify that, but I mean, Shohei's up there, obviously. Fernando's up there. Judge is up there. I mean, it's you know that you can have an argument for all three, to be honest, to be who are the face of the MLB. Trout, I mean, obviously, but he's, you know, he doesn't he doesn't grip the people's imagination like the others do, I would say. In terms of, you know, what they who they are and that sort of thing. Trout kind of, he's kind of, he's a Jeter ask type of player, you know, doesn't say a lot off the field, doesn't do a lot off the field that grabs attention or anything like that that's not really who Trout is so it's hard for me to kind of see him as the the face of the franchise plus he's dealt with injuries a lot and you know i mean obviously Tatis has been injured too but you know you've seen more Tatis over the last over the last you know 2 years than i think you'd seen Trout so and not to mention the angels are bad that doesn't help the argument either so um yeah anyways moving on we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some football some other football preseason football we had a couple of interesting debuts. Kenny Pickett was out there. Desmond Ritter, a couple of rookies were out there. The Panthers had a QB battle that I will talk about in a second that made me do something completely that was on a whim. I don't want to, I, you know, it was, I, I was kind of feeling it. I had a flat, you know, one of those things where it's not an epiphany, but a thought, a flash thought, you know, it jumped in my head and I was like, I'm going to do this. That happened to me after the Panthers. QB after the game with the Panthers and I'll, well, I'll let you, I'll tell you what it is here in a second, but let's start off with this first. Zach Wilson, Jets quarterback, he was playing for a little bit in preseason. This was one of the downsides of the preseason and why I kind of understand, you know, the, the, the Broncos not playing Russell Wilson. I I think they said that they're not going to play Russell Wilson at all in the preseason. I can kind of understand. And this is kind of why in a game that means literally nothing, it's just a practice game. They're gonna, you know, people. They're still gonna do practices that are against, you know, inner squad practices and stuff like that. And uh, I think the, I think it was the the uh, commanders' head coach, or excuse me, not the commanders' head coach, uh, Mike McCarthy, the Cowboys' head coach, who said that they get more done in inner squad practices, which is why their big starters aren't playing in any preseason games. So that's interesting. I, I found that an interesting. I found that as an interesting quote from Mike McCarthy, from obviously who's the head coach of the most known american sports team in the country i would say in the north in the in north america who basically said preseason you know and not media friendly terms he basically said preseason is kind of useless we use it you know they use it for backups and rookies and stuff like that they don't use they don't they don't do it to play you know games with or play play even A little a series or so with their starters. I mean, it's not worth it to them, which I found interesting. A game like that that's completely useless, you know. But you're still playing the full length game. You might as well be playing, you know, a spring game or something like that against your own players. And apparently, according to Mike McCarthy, you're getting more out of it, which I thought was interesting. Maybe you know, maybe this could be. I won't say this year, but it could be an interesting outlook on preseason. Even though they make a ton of money off of preseason, I'm sure you know because people still want the rights to th- broadcast them. You'd be basically using, you know, three weeks of broadcasting rights for any of those games and stuff like that. So I can't imagine them getting away, you know, going away with it, but it is interesting how much more of a, how, how worth it is it for the people that are broadcasting these games to show the games, given not many people watch them, not many people go to the games or anything like that. Um, and you're not getting you know any of the star player power or anything like that for a decent amount of these games. It's interesting. I, I don't. I will see what happens with preseason. I just don't think. I think it kind of has to be morphed into something different for it to continue. Because I can't imagine these guys you know coming into the big stadium, uh, you know the home stadium or what have you, hitting the road and playing in these games where like the stadium's like half empty because it's a preseason game. Nobody really wants to watch a preseason game on TV unless you're really down bad, And and I get it. It's August. I mean, you know, no judge, but that's pretty down bad. I mean, I did a little bit of it, but I didn't do much of it. Um, But yeah, I just think it's interesting and we'll see where preseason ends up going, but I think it is kind of on the, on the verge of a a pretty decent change in my opinion, um, in terms of the grand scope of the rest of the NFL and the regular weeks throughout the season. But there were some storylines, Zach Wilson, Jets quarterback he suffered a bone bruise. It looked bad when he went down. It looked like he had possibly torn his ACL, which would have been, I mean, disastrous for the Jets, obviously. Um, but it was a bone bruise. They got good news: a bone bruise and a meniscus tear. And the Jets win over the Eagles. And the initial diagnosis has Wilson out for two to four weeks. He could miss the regular beginning of the regular season, so like two week, week one and week two, or something like that. But obviously, a lot, it's a lot better news than the way it looked when he went down. So we'll see what happens with Zach Wilson. Absolute dog. We'll see what happens there. He should be, you know, back by week three or something like that, unless something sets him back. We'll see. Yeah. Bad way to lose your quarterback for the first two weeks, especially if the Jets, if you when you're the Jets and God knows how volatile that mm-hmm. fan base is. Um, moving on. Kenny Pickett, the draft, the Steelers quarterback they drafted in the, I don't remember what round they drafted him, but they drafted him this past draft to be the, hopefully the, the next step up from Ben Roethlisberger Roethlisberger's retired obviously and now he's kind of handing the torch over to Kenny Pickett per se hopefully that's what Steelers fans are hoping for and you know Kenny Pickett had a pretty good name all three they had all three quarterbacks play and all three quarterbacks combined for four touchdowns zero interceptions but Kenny Pickett looked better than expected he went 13 for 15 with 95 yards And two touchdowns, so pretty efficient, pretty good game. Two touchdowns, avoided any turnovers. Only had two draw, uh, only had two incompletions, and uh, ninety-five yards for two touchdowns. So that's a good game from Kenny Pickett. Steelers fans, they are seething with happiness. Can you seethe with happiness? Sure. Foaming at the mouth, I think, is the better in a good way. They're foaming at the mouth to see if Kenny Pickett is the answer that they need. You know, they they don't go through coaches very often, and they've had they've been pretty uh, pretty steady at the quarterback position for about the past 20 years. So basically an easy transition over to Kenny Pickett would be the last thing that or would be the first thing that they would want. The last thing I think that they would expect. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with Kenny Pickett. Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. He was also drafted this past uh, draft. He was in Atlanta and he looked pretty good in his debut. He went 10 for 22, less efficient than Pickett, but he had 103 yards and two touchdowns as well. He also rushed for 60 yards and led the game winning drive in the Falcons win over the Lions as well. So Desmond Ritter, 10 for 22, 103 yards, two touchdowns. Again, it's preseason, whatever, you know, take this with a grain of salt as much as you can. Um, But I mean, he's basically competing with Marcus Mariota for the quarterback position in Atlanta. And I got to imagine if Desmond Ritter even shows like a a glimpse of, 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 you know, a breakout season as a rookie or something like that. I can't imagine that they keep him benched over Mariota. Unless Mariota's having a great season too, who knows? But I mean, we have the stats and, and the history with Mariota that he hasn't, you know, been that great as a quarterback over the past, you know, three to four years. So if Ritter even shows to me a glimpse of, of, you know, uh, explosiveness, good, uh, you know, smart pass, you know, smart passing, efficiency, that sort of thing. I can't imagine that the that the Falcons keep him on the bench unless, you know, could be tanking for another draft pick, which in, the, in that case, then they'll leave Mariota out there. That wouldn't surprise me either. Moving on, though. Panthers. This is my Panthers QB battle or my, my Panthers QB story. So they had their QB battle going on. Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. They both played. Uh, Mayfield went four for seven for 45 yards. Darnold went two for three for 16 yards and a touchdown. Uh, they both play limited snaps for the Panthers, but both looked pretty good. Mayfield got the start, but he hasn't been named the starter for the regular season yet. I I swear to you, this is how you know I'm back gambling. I'm not kidding when I say this. I watched about 15 seconds of Baker Mayfield playing against the commanders on Saturday, Mm -hmm. like 15 seconds of highlights basically of, of Baker Mayfield playing quarterback for the and I placed a bet. I placed a comeback bet. I placed a play a comeback player of the year bet for Baker Mayfield. Quarterback position, you know, Panthers, relatively good team, especially on the defensive side. I sound like Mel Kiper when I was doing that. But, no, I, I, I placed a bet, pl- comeback player of the year. I do think the Panthers, I don't know if they're going to be good. I mean, they've been kind of questionable, especially on the offensive side. But they've also had not great quarterback play on the offensive side as well. And I think if they have a decent quarterback, Christian McCaffrey, uh, as a running back, that gives them a lot of versatility. He can kind of do everything out of the backfield. Uh, I don't, their wide receivers aren't that deep. I think Robbie Anderson is still there, if I remember correctly. But their defense is going to be solid. Their defense has been pretty good these past few years, and their offense has kind of not been able to pick up the slack. So I think possibly Baker, he's going to get a lot of opportunity if he does start. I think he's going to get a lot of opportunity for that team. And I think it's possible. Is Baker, a little cheeky, little cheeky comeback player of the year. I think he was plus. Plus 1200 when I put the bet down for $5, a $5 bet for $65 payout. I mean, that's not bad odds for a guy that we kind of have no idea about. I think he's kind of a wild card. He played injured all last season. So last season, in my opinion, you can kind of just throw away. He was hurt all year. Uh, he had a torn labrum in his shoulder, and he was running around with that, trying to play quarterback. It was his off shoulder, obviously. But again, it all is kind of one motion you have to be able to do. And I think that is a big... Uh, You know, that's kind of, I won't say that's the main reason, obviously, that he didn't play good. I, you know, I'm not going to say that, but it is interesting. He's in a new place, new group of people around him, hopefully fully 100% healthy now. He had problems all year last year, like I said, with injuries. So I think plus 1,200 bet for Uh, Plus 1,200 odds with a $5 bet for a $65 payout for a comeback player of the year for a quarterback position on a relatively decent team, a good defensive team who's going to get him a ton of time, a ton of opportunities to actually, to actually throw the ball downfield and score, you know, score. I think that's a, I think that's valuable. I think that's a value bet in my opinion. I think that's valuable. So anyways, that's, uh, that's kind of what I did with the Panthers. I was like. I mean, it was truly one of those moments where I had a a flash in my head. I was like, I wonder how much he's going for now. Granted, you know, Derek Henry is going to be eligible for that award. That's going to be tough. He's you know plus four hundred, but again, he's a running back. You know, the, the, that's tough to do. It's tough to to get comeback player of the year as a running back, especially in today's game. But uh, I think Jameis Winston was ahead of him as well. Which you know that wouldn't surprise me either if Jameis Winston pulled that out because he is pretty solid. I would say all. I mean, not you know. Not, I wouldn't say he's pretty solid he's he's explosive is what i'll say on on good days and bad days he can throw you know four touchdowns zero interceptions have one of the best games of his life and then the next game he throws zero inter, or zero touchdowns four interceptions and then he'll finish with 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions which he did do not too long ago before tom brady showed up that was the year he put together the year before tom brady showed up for the buccaneers so He's explosive, good way and a bad way, very volatile, is what I'd say about Jameis Winston. So I felt confident about Baker. This am I being biased? Am I an Oklahoma fan and being biased? Possibly. I yeah. I mean, that's fair to think about. I will I don't think that's completely out of the question. But five bucks for sixty five dollar payout, that's not bad. I'll take that. I'll take that bet any day of the week. So that's what's happening. That's what happened over preseason week one. Not a lot. It is August. Not a lot going on because it is August. Sports are kind of in a dead zone. I think I've said this every single time I've come on this podcast recently. It is kind of in a dead zone. August is a little rough. It's super hot. Not a lot of fun watching anything. This is the time, in my opinion, when baseball should be ramping up for the playoffs. September, they should own September in terms of playoffs. That's when they should be, not October. I don't want to watch baseball when the leaves are coming down and I'm getting ready for Halloween. I don't want to watch baseball then. Stop it. MLB get it together. Have your last game of the season be October 1st, not November 1st, okay? That's my biggest complaint with baseball. They need to cut the game, the season by about 30 games or so, about 29 games. Break down the regular season at the end of August, get playoffs through September and then or excuse me, through um through September and end at the beginning of October. So that we can all get ready for baseball, or for uh, football. Excuse me. It should be a seamless handoff. I'll never, ever, 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 ever get. I mean, they're losing a ton of money. I understand that part of it. If they cut thirty games or what have you, but in my opinion, at this point of the season, I'm already kind of baseball. I'm starting to watch preseason football. That's not. That should not be the case. I should be getting more excited about the playoff races in August and having them wind down and get ready for wild card, week, or wild card Baseball Weekend, I guess now because it's a series, and then the divisional round at the beginning of September or what have you, or like halfway through September, and then we have the World Series end on like October 1st. On Game 7 is on October 1st. The season is over after October 1st. That is, in my opinion... How they should do baseball, but they'll never do it because one, you're going to lose a ton of money that way in terms of TV deals and stuff like that, because you are losing like 28 to 30 games for each team and not to mention ticket sales and everything else. So it'll never happen. But man, if they cut, they cut the season by about 30 games, make it 132 games or what have you, 130 games or whatever. I feel like you'd get more people watching it because you're not sitting here in August realizing you still have another month of the regular season, even though the Dodgers are up, you know, 16 games on the Padres or what have you. And we still have to watch another month of regular season baseball, even though the first week of of, of professional football has started. The, you're never going to compete with football in this country. And they keep trying to compete with football in the middle of September and October. It makes no sense to me. They can dominate the 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 summer season just all the way through from April April first to October first. Hand it off at the end of, at the beginning of October to football and boom and Bob's your uncle. I think that would be very successful. Like I said, they would lose money at the start, but I think over time they could actually salvage a decent amount of money off of it because of how much more valuable those games in August become when. Football still not on. More people are going to want to watch something that's important, such as sports. Uh, It's sports, sports related, and I think you know upcoming playoff games at the end of August into September. I think those are. I mean, that would create value to your sport. Nobody wants to watch baseball in October when I could be watching you know weeks, whatever the the NFL season is, weeks one through four in October, or whatever three through six in October, and um, by that time we're like four games into college football season as well. So at that point you're losing out on people anyways, because everybody would rather watch football at that time of year. So I don't know. It just doesn't, I don't know how I even got on this rant. It just doesn't compute to me. I just want, I want baseball to matter more than it does. And I think their scheduling is part of the reason it doesn't matter to a lot of people. And I think there's a fix there where they just I the thing. But on the other side, I get if you slash 30 games and nothing changes, then you've just lost 30 games worth of revenue that you cannot get back. It's not like you can just slash it for 30 games and then say, just kidding. We're going to add those 30 games back. I mean, the players wouldn't want to do that. And that would not be good for the I mean, I, the TV rights deals would have to be rearranged again. And then the TV TV stations would have to pay you more uh, pay pay you again even though they just slashed their prices. So it doesn't make any sense. I mean the idea of it doesn't really make any sense, but I think it would be better for the game if they started wrapping up the season towards the end of August and into September is playoffs, October 1st that's game 7 of the World Series if it's needed. That's it. That's my rant about baseball scheduling. And I kind of get into this mood once we start getting into August and September where unless my team is good, obviously, like, you know, just like everybody else, if my team is good, then I'm paying attention to it a little bit more. But I, I don't care about baseball once we hit <laughs> early September and football starts coming into play. It's just harder to watch because you know there's something else that's better is on for three out of the three out of the seven days of the week or four out of the seven days of the week. You get Thursday night football. Saturday, college football, Sunday, actual NFL games, Monday night football. So four out of the seven days of the week in September, late August into September and the beginning of October, obviously, you're going to be losing out because the thing that you're providing is not as good as the other thing that the other, that the other sport is providing. You're never going to beat, you're never going to beat uh, football in that sense. It's a football run country, period, cut and dry, It's plain and simple. Baseball, I love you. I love baseball MLB I love you but let's figure this out okay I wish we would that I think is going to wrap up the show I went on a little bit of the rant of the rant at the end there you know, just talking about baseball it is August like I said and we all get these grand ideas in the middle of August because there's not a lot of sports on that are interesting to a lot of us and this is when we start getting our grand ideas and that's what's happening to, and that's basically what's happening to me plus it's hot out and you know my brain is getting fried so you know, it's all all part of the August, the, the August extravaganza that is the sports world in August. But that's going to wrap it up. We had a couple new stories that we went through a little bit. So there was some stuff to talk about. So regardless, that's going to end the show. I'll see you guys next week. I hope something important happens next week that will give me a lot longer of a show. But we'll see. Um, you've been listening to the Weekend Sports Rap Podcast. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Make sure you uh, rate and subscribe over on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, what have, Google Podcasts, what have you. Whatever you want to listen to it on, you can listen to it there. If you want to go on the road and listen to it, you can listen to it on Spotify or, iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever. You can do it wherever you are. If you're on the moon, you can listen to it still. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if that's true. If you download it beforehand, you can listen to it on the moon. So do that. Um, but anyways, make sure to rate and subscribe. I appreciate it. You've been listening to the weekend sports rep podcast. I've been your host, James Timberlake.